Do you know what happened when you stood up? You began to... And what have we just done? Standing up. What have we just done? Well, all right, I know we've greeted one another. But actually, in a particular form, we've been practicing the presence of God. See, when I go to Tim and I greet him and steer clear of... (laughs) I'm actually practicing the presence of God because the Holy Spirit in me comes to actually minister, connect with him. When I was uh, last speaking... Uh, If you remember on that Sunday, we talked about the significance of coming together and the presence of God in that. Avril shared uh, from the scriptures, and I shared also about a a biblical basis, a biblical reason, uh, a a theological foundation uh, for uh, believing what we do, as well as living in the practice of it, that when we come together, uh, there's something special about the presence of God. There's something significant which he tells us in his word we can genuinely and absolutely expect. And so when we minister, when we greet one another, uh, or when we come and join together in worship, it all comes down to the same thing. It's not just a social gathering. It's about something significant. And if you weren't here uh, for that, it's very probably very important that you listen to that so that you have an understanding of uh, what God provides for us in terms of coming together. I want to take a little time this morning to talk a little bit more about practicing the presence. Because although one of the ways we practice the presence in what we've just done, whether it's in in bringing an offering and, and finding the joy of his presence in given, or whether it's in... in kind of reaching out and greeting one another and expressing his love and life to one another because that's what he does. I mean, he's told us we're the members, members of his body, in order to actually be able to do that. Uh, Guys, I'm getting, uh, Matt, I'm getting quite an echo here at the moment. Can you help me a little bit because it's a bit off-putting. I can go to the other mic if it's better. All right, okay. Uh, so it's really, it's really significant uh, that when we come together, we're not just having a sort of social club thing. We're actually looking to see the manifest, manifestation of the presence of God. Why is that important? Well, f- first of all, because we're made for that. We, we thoroughly enjoy that. We're not more at home than when we're actually enjoying the presence of God. But of course... It leads to the, the, the sense that God's with us. Uh, what does it say? Who can be against us? There's a, an issue of faith. There's an issue of, uh, of increase. There's an issue of expectation when we come into the clarity of his presence and his purpose. I'd like us to look at Psalm 23, probably one of the most familiar um, parts of the Bible where the psalmist declares, well, a number of things, but three things in particular, that he'll never want for good, that God will supply, 
that he will not need to fear any evil and that God will never leave him nor forsake him. That's quite a good package, isn't it? Isn't that something to feel good about? And, and the psalm kind of has that, that sort of feel good, is good sort of sense about it. Uh, never wanting for good. Not fearing evil. Because you realize that we are in a battle and the enemy always wants us to be fearing evil. Oh, what if this happens? What if that happens? And the reality of God never leaving us nor forsaking us. Now, that being the case, I want us to kind of focus on how do we, how do, we do that? How do we practice the presence? Well, nothing in the kingdom of God operates by way of formulas. I can't give you a formula. But as we go through this psalm, there's certain things which I think will help us to understand. The Lord is my shepherd. That's a good start. Actually, uh, knowing him, not just knowing about him, not just someone sort of vaguely up there somewhere, but, but the reality of his presence, the experience of his presence. If, if you love someone, you spend time in their presence, don't you? Isn't that true, Andy? Yeah. So this is not kind of a ritual. This is something which, well, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I want, either in the coming together or in my own walk or time, want to spend time in his presence? See, when we're born again in the Spirit of God, there are certain, the Bible says we become new creations. There, there are new desires that are created in us. One of those desires is for the presence of God, to actually know, feel, be aware. And of course, most of us could explain, well, couldn't explain, but could certainly say, it's inexplicable. What is it? It's, there's, a, there's a joy, there's a peace, there's a, an excitement. There's something which is just indescribable. It's higher than any high anybody could ever have. It's, but it's not something manufactured. It's something that God does because he comes to us and makes known the reality uh, of himself. He's the shepherd that looks after and cares for us. And we're the sheep that know his voice. We recognize his voice, um, and in meekness we follow him. It, see, the imagery, we mustn't forget, because it gets very familiar, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall, all that sort of thing. But it is picking up a particular imagery to communicate fundamental position to us. That, yes, he is the shepherd. He protects, he cares, he looks after, he meets needs, etc., etc., but we are also the sheep who follow because we know his voice and we hear his voice and, and with a sense of meekness we choose to be obedient to him. The Lord. 
God is my shepherd. I guess it's a starting place, really, isn't it? Starting place is owning him as Lord. That's our starting place in this great walk of knowing him. Our starting place is when we turn from our own self, the rule of our own self, and substitute that, change that uh, for his rule. Will we submit to his lordship? It works out in the things of, I accept, I choose to do what he wants rather than what I want. I choose to go his way. I choose to react. I choose to have the responses that he would have me to have rather than choosing to have mine. The Lord is my shepherd. He's not, I hope he will be, or not um, vaguely is. The Lord is my shepherd. Essentially, we're talking about the now, real, actual present. He is there. The Lord is my shepherd now. Not next week, not in some other place, but he's constantly my shepherd. It seems odd for us to think of it like that, doesn't it? You know, we, we, we feel more comfortable to kind of put it in the corporate, which is true in the corporate, but the Lord, the creator of the universe, is my shepherd. I have made him Lord. I have made him my shepherd and he fully embraces and takes up that role as shepherd. I submit to his authority. I'm talking not of a vague believism, but a living faith that's real, a particular role, knowing that he does shepherd, that he does feed, that he does protect, that he does guide, that he does care, that he does direct. And of course, it's it's important that we always remind ourselves that um, the imagery is based on the method of shepherding that was uh, basically typical in that domain, which was the shepherd would lead and the sheep would follow. Here, we have a different imagery because the shepherd, either with dogs or now on four-by-fours, kind of drives sheep. But we're, we're looking at a totally different imagery, and it's important to keep that in mind. I shall not be in want. Isn't that interesting? Here we are, giving to God, directing under him part of that offering to Keith Marsh, who I have talked to you about as being somebody who has lost everything and has nothing. And yet here we are talking about, I should not be in want. But can I just remind you of something else? We also talked about somebody without a hint of bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, jealousy. You can't buy those things. You can be very rich. I've told you before, when I was stockbroking, one of the richest people was one of my clients that I ever met. Uh, was one of the saddest characters because he had... Uh, extreme riches 
But he didn't have security. He didn't have satisfaction. He was filled with fear. His whole life was about who was going to rip him off next. You know, I looked at people in those days, met a number of them, and I thought, boy, you would be so much happier, so much more fulfilled without your money. One of the partners that I worked for, I thought, you know, he's trying with his money and with his riches and with his success, he's trying to obtain something which he's never going to do. He's never going to get. See, when we talk about want, we also need to understand that it's very useful to have things, but we could have all the things in the world and not have the most important thing. Not have peace, not have joy, not have satisfaction. And we mustn't, in a materialistic society, think alone about not uh, being in want, being expressed in material terms. To have something that money can't buy is very significant. I shall not be in want. To know his presence. You know, to know his presence, even when we're, we're desiring something, when we're looking to him for provision, produces a place of peace. Some of the testimonies that we've been hearing, um, particularly as the team came back from Sierra Leone, makes me think again how much, in many comparative terms, we have and how little other people have. And yet, they may be in lack, they may be in want, but there's something serene about knowing the presence of God. And even in looking to him, looking to him from a place of peace, I really want this, I really feel I need this, but by the grace of God, I'm coming not from a point of striving, but from a place of rest, that you know, have control, and order all things after the counsel of your own will. The other term for that is a place of yieldedness or surrender. That I have what I have by the grace of the Lord and all that I ever shall have or be. And if he gives, it's about his provision. And if he withholds, it's about his provision. It's a place of serenity. You know, we're coming up to this Christmas time. Christmas time is a great time of, of joy and pleasure for many people. But let's not forget, it's also a great time of pain and hardship for others on their own or lacking, bereaved. It's, it's a great painful time. What we're talking about here in terms of practicing the presence, you know, sometimes, I know this sounds odd, but sometimes it's more difficult to practice the presence when naturally everything is good and everything is provided than, than in the opposite. You can get drawn aside into the joy being on material things or earthly things and miss out the reality of, of that joy that God can give, that presence that he can give, that reality that he provides when 
We're dependent upon him. I always look back to many years ago uh, when I'd had a, a broken engagement and I was, I was coming up to this Christmas time and it was, I was kind of dreading that time. And when I look back, I, and certainly at the time, it was, it was one of the best times I ever had because there was an accessing of the reality of the presence of God uh, and uh, an opening into the purpose of God which produced something deeper, something more real than anything of a kind of uh, natural or material thing could do. And I'm just saying at this time, it's his plan that whether we're in lack, whether in want, or more particularly when we've got many things that he's given us to bless us with, that there is something about practicing his presence and about coming to him, which is so important. When we know his presence, when we're looking to him for provision, it's the very opposite of that striving when we're seeking to make our own provision. And this place of surrender where, well, if this is what he wants, he can and will provide, and we rest in that. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside quiet waters. Sounds nice, doesn't it? Lie down in green pastures. Many of you have known what it is, I think, to come into the presence of God and find a a jaggedness or a weariness, even like a physical thing, just somehow lift. You know, it's very true. The Bible talks about those that wait upon the Lord renew their strength. There, there's something, because we're kind of switched in, we're plugged into a, a supernatural source, that as we draw on that source, there's something that takes us beyond just a, a, a natural position and a natural restoring makes me guides me to lie down in green pastures it's a dwelling place isn't it lying down <laughs> lying down is not like a, a a quick refresher it's a kind of state or a place that he provides for us that we we dwell there you know, lying down, does that not speak of a kind of dwelling, a kind of abiding, a place that he's provided, uh, a place of his goodness uh, for us, dwelling there, leads us beside quiet waters or still waters. Um, very, very interesting. Um, I was speaking on the phone to Vianne, the dancer guy that I've talked to you about in South Africa and he was talking about where he's going with his family over Christmas and uh, in uh, Namibia or somewhere and and there was the sea and the desert and it was going to be a place of stillness and quietness and he was going to be writing and and uh, thinking and so on and so forth and I thought well yeah that's very true there are times like like that uh, I always think of um, place that we like in in uh, in uh, Exmoor you know uh, we 
we call it Dune Valley. I think they call it Dune Valley by the River X. Just, you know, it kind of sums up those things. And sure, there are times and places uh, where we just, just kind of get away and are quiet. But thankfully, for those of us living in eastern side of London, where there's not a lot of availability in those places, it doesn't depend on that. I think I told you a little while ago, the most wonderful uh, time of, of being beside still waters when I was driving on the M25. Well, I can't think of anything more opposite, you know, than, than being engaged in that sort of survival rat race. See, if it depended, and I'm not saying they're not good things about those actual places, but it doesn't depend on that. Because, you see, at any moment we turn aside and find that he is there. And we can access his presence. And when we access his presence, it very much is uh, being led beside quiet waters and him restoring my soul. Bible talks about, you know, we labor much, but we produce little. And, you know, there are times when, when you've got to stop and think, you know, I'm flogging away at this, whatever it may be. It might not just be work, it may be trying to deal with something or push something through or resolve something. It's like bashing me head against a brick wall, uh, which is nice when you stop. And... You know, there are times when we've just got to back off and say, no, wait a minute, let's just see. Let, let's just take a step back and, 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 and turn again. Lord, what are you saying? We're trying, we're, 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 we're working hard, we're, we're trying to thrust through on this. It's just not happening. That time of still places where we turn aside. See, there's the genuine Sabbath rest. Religious have made it into a, uh, a legal thing and, and settled it upon a day. God has given us a life and causes us to know these things, not just wait to one day in the week, but to know what it is to be in his rest. It's a safe place, you know. Uh, leads me beside quiet waters. Uh, restores my soul. It's a safe place. Here's my point. It can be anywhere. It can be somewhere we find that is, you know, kind of would fit our vision of that. But any moment when we turn aside, we can practice his presence. Let's come back to what I said at the beginning. This is not about formula. You know, it's not if you add A to B, you end up with C, D. God does not operate by formula. He operates by love. And... He has promised, and he never, ever breaks his word, that he'll always be there. And he'll make provision for us. And he'll lead us in the way that he's prepared for us. So, simply, here I am, going along. And I'm making my own way, and I'm pushing through. I've only got to turn and take that moment, and he's there. And God calls us as a people to be a people who practice his presence. And it's not an out-of-body experience. It's not spooky. It's so real that we can just know the reality of his presence as we yield and submit to him.
I love this. Restores my soul. He does what nobody else can do. But you know, there's a, when you think about it, and you turn to him, you, you can't do pretense, can you? Um, I mean, the Bible says if we, if we hide sin, we won't prosper. When he knows the thoughts and intents of our heart, turning to him is not, is not an outward show, is not going to work. It's got to be something that's very definitely from the heart. I think it's a purposeful thing. It's an act, a decision that we actually choose and follow through. And uh, we, we come in a, in a reverent sort of way, say, Lord, in a humble way. And we can't hide away, and, and we can't come with sin. We've got to deal with that. Because his business is to restore my soul. Uh, you know, to, to build up the inner. Not, not the outer, but to build up the inner. Uh, his purpose always is to, is to bring me back. If I turn, I'm, I'm not... Tim, come here a minute. Stand here and, and look away from me. I'm not coming to God and kind of, uh, sort of, uh, you know, trying to, to get him. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to somehow, but he's, he's always the other way around. He's always like this. I'm coming to him and all I have to do is turn. This, this is not a persuasion thing. <laughs> He doesn't look like Jesus, doesn't he? With that. <laughs> it's not a persuasion thing. I'm not trying to persuade God to, to, to receive me. He loves me. He's longing for me to turn at any moment and come into the reality of his presence. And he puts his arms around me and he doesn't hold back because my dirty hair. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I liked him. <laughs> you're right you can you can sit down you've worked hard we got to get really the right thing he's not a persuasion he's not a trying to get his attention he's always waiting and we just turn and it is part of our privilege it's part of our heritage that at any moment we can know the reality of the presence of God. We practice his presence. He guides us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yeah, he wants us to get it right. Best place to get it right? Stay close to the guide. Can't go wrong then. Safest place. Want someone, want to know the way? Follow the guide. Uh, yeah, you can have a map and you can have instructions and so on and so forth. But have you seen these tourist groups sometimes in, in London and the tour guide has a little flag or stick or something? Yeah, you could have just given them a map, let them get lost and find their own way, you know, but stick close to the guide. And when you're, when you're in one of those groups and you're being taken round somewhere, 
we had that opportunity to go around uh, Robin Island, you know, where Mandela was imprisoned when we were out there a year or two ago. And, you know, the best place for knowing and understanding and seeing everything was staying close to the guide. If you, if you tag along up the back, you miss half of it. But it's, it's good to stay close and, and, and get the information. It's the best place. And you see, the truth of the matter is, uh, he wants us to get it right even more than we want to get it right ourselves. Uh, he's invested an awful lot. He's given his one and only son so that we could actually get it right. He leads us in his way. Guides us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake that we should be to the praise of his glory. Not so that we'll be holier than other people, uh, but so that, that we should walk in all that he's planned and prepared for us. That's how we engage in his presence. The Holy Spirit guides us. The Bible talks about let the peace of God, uh, the peace of God is part of the work of the Holy Spirit, umpire or guide or be the determinant factor of decision-making, the things that we do and the places that we pursue. So there's a great place of knowing if you're right, a great you know, checking, do I have his presence, is a very good way uh, that, of knowing that we're pursuing what he wants. Of course, you can turn away from it. Not a, not a smart idea, but you can choose to go your own way and uh, take the comeuppance. And most of us have done that, and we've got the scars to show for it. And some of us still tempted to go that way, and we know that we're dumb stupid, uh, but we still tend to do it because we're wayward, but we can turn back. Uh, I, I, I love that, um, Lord, if your presence goes not with us, don't even take us there. Don't even send us there. Lord, there's, there's all sorts of things and all sorts of objects and all sorts of possibilities, but actually our commitment is to go where you're going, not where we want to go, to go into the place of your presence. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I notice it's a walking through. It's not an abiding there. And if you walk through the valley, what do you come to on the other side? Come to the mountain. Come to the, 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 the renewed place of his presence. The, uh, the imagery of God and his righteousness and presence. Yep. Circumstances can be bad, and we can still know his presence. I love what Paul wrote to the Romans I'm persuaded that neither life nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor any other creatures can be able to separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I can always, even in the darkest, and most difficult circumstances, according to the, the promise of his word, know the reality of his presence. Because it's stronger 
than anything else. See, we sometimes think about the presence of God being something nice. We're talking something wonderful, but something powerful. Something more powerful than evil. So therefore, he can say, I will fear no evil. Why? Because your presence is with me. Because you are with me. I don't have to fear evil. It's not that it doesn't exist. It's not that it's not very real. It's just I don't have to fear it because your presence is with me. For you are with me. And your rod and your staff comfort me. The rod and the staff, the shepherd's crook, used to drive away the beast, drive away the enemy, and also to rescue You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's a cheeky one. I kind of like that. You know? It's a real um, up your nose, mate, isn't it? You know? Prepare a table. Here I am. There's all the enemies and they're gnashing their teeth and they're really having a good go. And here am I sitting down having a nosh. I love that imagery. There's a place of rest, a place of reality, a place of sustenance, a place of enjoying the reality of his presence right there. And the enemies around. Untouchable. Remember we looked at that when we were looking at who I am in Christ. Untouchable. Cannot be touched. Cannot be reached. Yes, there'd be plenty of it. Lots of injustice and reaction, but he provides all that's necessary. But more than that, when I read on, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. You choose to bless me because you love me. Not because I earn it, not because I buy it, but because you choose to do it because you love to have me in your presence. And what's more, you don't just bless me so that I have enough. You bless me so that I overflow. You see, it's in the plan of God that out of the reality of his presence, out of the goodness of his blessing, that we have something that overflows to others. The Bible talks about being uh, ministers of the new covenant, people who, who minister, who give to others, who greet one another, who serve one another, who give to one another, who care for one another, out of the overflow of the goodness of God in them, knowing the life and the love of God within them. Bountiful. Able to give out of an overflow. How long for surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. That seems to kind of complete it, doesn't it? It's not going to run out. It's there all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. A constant dwelling in the presence of God. The end of the matter. Knowing his presence We turn from ourselves, we turn from things that would get us anger, jealousy, contention, unrighteousness, self-dependence, 
turn from all that noise, all that activity. He's always there. We turn to him. We turn to wait on him, worship him, spend time, pray, use tongues as a gift that he's given us, go his way, choosing that that is the best way, depending on him and settle for his provision. Let's do it now. Let's turn to him. We've got a time when we can just worship. But let's worship with a very clear view of accessing the presence of God. Uh, And there may be some specific things that you have recognized are not really consistent with enjoying the presence of God. Things that you've got to turn from. Maybe attitudes, maybe actions. There is no better time than when you hear God say, okay, Lord, I do that. There may be a need to recalibrate some thinking. Recalibrate some thinking. Look at me because they're very boring, those musicians. I'm far more beautiful and interesting. Angela Clay, you know. I mean, I don't want to talk about her behind her back, but she's sitting there like that. There may be a need to recalibrate, guys. Have a little thought. Come on now. How far is he away from you? What do you need to do right now to come into the real experience of his presence? Think about what we've said. What do you need to do? Other than saying, Lord, I come. Come into the reality of your presence. This is accessible for anyone and everyone. Because God loves you. And that's what he wants. He wants us to be a people who practice the presence. Not just know about it. Not just have theoretical ideas. But actually live in that. And we can do that at any moment, at any time.